We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, This week's episode is brought to you by Untuck It. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. Joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, and everyone's favorite Twitter follow, Eric freaking Crocker. Dude, how are you feeling? Man, I'm I'm feeling like the 49ers are going to the NFC Championship. Wow. NFC Championship, folks. Like, I'm sure a lot of 49ers fans have already done it, but like you got to let that soak in a little bit. I don't think like you guys still, just, yeah. it still has not like sunken in for me. I don't uh, yeah, dude, it's like the 49ers are hosting the NFC Championship at Levi's Stadium. If they win, they're going to the Super Bowl. Like like it's just crazy that that it's come this far. I think that like you know, it is just, you know, even when the team was 8 and 0, it's it, you know, there's still like that uh, we just haven't seen it. Right, and it's like you know the team is good. Right. You know they're one of the best teams in the league, but you know we haven't seen them in the playoffs. We haven't seen the team good in a really long time. So it still was kind of like, okay, yeah, the 49ers are really good. We're playing probably the best football, you know, in the league. You know, the whole feel, feeling disrespected. They don't talk about us on talk shows. They still don't, which is really weird. But um, man, you know, you dominate the Vikings, and the game. I'd say look. Kind of like what I expected. Um, obviously, you know, you would like, you know, Jimmy G be a little smoother, but it, it just looked like what I thought, where it's like, hey, if the D-line can take over the game, Cousins is done. And that's exactly what we saw, man. It's just it's, it's just crazy just how the whole season has played out. Right. So uh, if you happen to have missed it, there's there's no way you could be listening to the podcast and not, not have watched the game. But if, if you kind of glossed over it or, you know, maybe you're hanging out with friends and you didn't get to pay attention to it as much as you should, 49ers demolished the Vikings. And 27-10 doesn't even do that game justice. Um, even some of the stats, as you compare them, don't even do the game to justice. The 49ers dominated the Vikings the same way they dominated the Packers earlier in the year. 
It was very a very very similar game. There were so many different, so many three and outs. It was the you know the defensive line was just firing on all cylinders in every aspect of, of the way they could play. It was just a beatdown of significant proportions, and it was definitely the 49ers putting their 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 name out there. Obviously, there's not that many teams left. They don't necessarily need to put their name out there, but it was basically saying like, no, 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 no. We're for real. We're the number one seed. You just served us up the number six seed. And we're going to make it look like that. You know, like it was, the, it was almost like the Vikings had no business being on the same field as the 49ers. Um, it was just that lopsided. Like, okay, I'll run through some stats real quick just to, just to try to paint a picture. So the Minnesota Vikings only had seven first downs all game. The whole game, they had seven first downs. Um, compared to the 49ers had 21 first downs. So there's, you know, there's, there's your, there's a huge difference right there. A huge disparity. Um, and, and I believe for most of the game, they only had four. And I think they had a couple drives late in the game where they were kind of just trying to make moves. And at that point, it didn't matter. So huge disparity there. Um, they were only two of 12 on third down. That's, that's just unreal. Like converting two third downs an entire game. That's, it doesn't happen often. They only had 147 yards total. And probably the biggest... I don't know, statistical wow factor for me was the Vikings. The Vikings, who are a very run-heavy team, and their entire offense is predicated off running the ball, managed to 21 yards. Like, dude, 21 yards? <laughs> like, that's that's just so abysmal. Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in the NFL, well, had and, nine and carries for 18 yards. I, I think he was Two the guy where it was just like, okay, I was watching them against – uh, at least in the first half, I mean, I brought it up too. I was like, man, I wonder what, like, what the Saints do differently in the second half to where he only had 10 rushing yards in the second half. But that first half is just like, man, how do you stop this guy from getting those chunk yardage? Because he, he just hits holes so fast and it, it's just, it, it's quick. You know, he's elusive. You know, he breaks arms, he runs through arms, arm tackles. And it was just like, how the 49ers are going to just, I don't want to say shut him down, but stop him from being the difference in the game. And from the first run, it's just like, ah, 49ers kind of dominated. There was, there was never anything there. There was not any sign of, like usually these, you know, a great running back, even when they're bottled up, will still break off a run or two because they can still make guys miss. They can still make plays. Dalvin Cook's longest run of the game was six yards. And what that essentially means is, is he went, he had, you know, he had one carry for six yards and then eight carries for 12 yards, <laughs> which makes it look even worse. You know, it, it, it was unreal. And what's not, and this isn't not like, this is not, I'm not no, no I'm not a Nostradamus. I'm not, you know, a, a football whiz. This wasn't like hard to predict, but you know, when we talked last week, my biggest thing heading into this game was the 49ers just need to shut down Dalvin Cook. And I didn't have a whole lot of faith that Kirk Cousins would be able to prop up the offense. Even and, and I knew that their offense was predicated on running the ball, play action, kind of getting everybody else open. And if you can stop the run, you know, as, as Nick Bosa said it after the game, they had to earn the right to pass rush. They had to stop the run, do the dirty work so that the Vikings would be forced to throw and that would unlock everything else. And that is exactly what happened. Right, man. It was a beautiful you know, thing. So just to – there's there's even some other stats. Like, okay, let me, let me keep running down this. The 49ers ran 68 plays to the Vikings 45. So they ran 23 more plays than the Vikings. The 49ers had the ball for 38 minutes and 27 seconds, almost 40 minutes. A football game is only 60 minutes. <laughs> you know, like they almost held the ball for two-thirds of the game, which is just – Unreal, and and that has to do with the fact that they ran the ball forty seven times. The Forty ers did, and I believe that's far and away the most carries of the season. I believe, but if if it's not, I know Tevin Coleman got his the most carries of his career. But we'll we'll kind of get into that a little bit more. So it's just it was one of the most lopsided games I've ever seen. And what's interesting is the the only points that the Vikings scored were kind of can, can can be credited to credited to Akella Witherspoon who really struggled and we'll get into him a little bit more later but he was pretty much 
if you watched that drive, was almost the only reason the Vikings were even able to score a single <laughs> yeah. touchdown. Yeah. Like the Vikings should have had three points because throughout the entire rest of the game, they never got close. You know, normally you could say, oh, well, you know, what if this would have happened? What if this would have happened? The, the Vikings never got close to scoring. The only time that might have been the only time they were in the red zone out, you know, Jim Garoppolo threw an interception and then the Vikings were immediately stuffed and had to kick a field goal. Uh, so, you know, the, those two, if I, I don't have it in front of me, those might've been their only two trips into the red zone. Yeah. And, and I don't think, I don't even think technically the Achille Witherspoon or the, the touchdown, they weren't in the red zone. They were outside of the red zone. So yeah, they no, have no, yeah, right. one trip into the red zone. If they even made it into the red zone, I don't even know if they right. made it in there. Yeah, I don't know. If they- and what's funny is they only got that far because, oh, you know what? No, that was on the rich. I'm thinking in reverse. But yeah, no, it was they. They were gifted that field position because of a right. turnover. The, the interception, yeah, like, the, uh, Kendrick. Right. I was about to. I was the way I was about to explain it. I was thinking of Richard Sherman's interception, um, and the way that kind of worked out. So it was just nuts. Like I said, 27 to 10 doesn't seem like that big of a beatdown, especially when you see something uh, where the chiefs are beating the Texans 51 to 31, but at the same, you just have to have seen the game. And like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to act like anybody. I think it was how Kyle decided to do it. You know, um, he, he could, he didn't have to call off the dogs like he did, but I think he, that was just one thing where he was like, you know what? We're in complete control of this game. They can't move the ball at all. I'm just going to call off the dogs. I'm just going to run this clock out. I'm not going to put anything else on tape. Um, I, I'm not going to put anybody in harm's way, as, you know, as little as possible at least. And I'm just going to run, and we're just going to end this game. And I think he decided that after uh, pretty much after the Richard Sherman interception. From right. that point on, it was, it was just like, you know what? You guys can't do anything offensively. We're just going to run this clock out. And I think he well, won like, six times in the second half total. Yeah. Like, it, it was just yeah. – I, I think if, if Kyle really wanted to, he could have ran the score up. But I, I don't think that was some, something that was, like, priority to him. I think he just wanted to get out of the game. Yeah, no, and, there were, and Jimmy Garoppolo might have been might have been rough in some patches. But if they wanted to, they would have just kept allowing him to throw and kept, you know, carving up the Vikings and doing their thing. And, and – but – to me, what you meant, I don't want to forget to mention this. The drive you just mentioned after the Richard Sherman pick was, I defined it on in my notes right here as, you click on them, game-defining and soul-stealing. Like, at the time, it was 10-17. to 17. So, by no means was the game out of reach for the Vikings. And this is in the third quarter, so you know, nothing was wrapped up. It was 10 to 14 going into the half. Robbie Gold makes a field goal, makes it 10 to 17. Richard Sherman picks off um, Kirk Cousins, and the 49ers did what I mean, it's not a slap in the face because there's nothing disrespectful about it, but it was the most like, I'm trying to think of the best words here. I wish I were more eloquent. Like the most brutal way of scoring a touchdown I've ever seen. Like you have a team that. And like I said, even though the score was only 10-17 prior to this drive, you can tell just by the momentum of the game and the way the defense was playing, the Vikings were kind of losing spirit. Well, in the midst of of losing the momentum, the 49ers intercept Kirk Cousins, and they proceed to run the ball eight times with not a single pass. They were on what what I believe was the 44-yard line, the Vikings' 44-yard line, and they ran it eight times. So essentially, just a little bit over five yards of carry right at the Vikings, right down the middle. There was nothing that was fancy or – I mean, it could have been fancy, but there was nothing that was extravagant about it. There was nothing mysterious. There, it was just the 49ers at that point basically said, we're going to run the ball right down your throat. There's absolutely nothing you're going to do about it. We're going to score, and we're going to basically put this game away right now. And, of, of course, it wasn't in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Vikings could have orchestrated some – Still had plenty of time to get some sort of comeback going. But to me, that was it. Like, and you're a defensive guy. You could probably elaborate this on more than I can. But when a defense knows what the offense is going to do and that there's absolutely nothing they can do to stop it, it is the most frustrating feeling ever. Like, you are helpless. They're going to do what they want to do. There's nothing you could stop. And and to me, watching that drive was like, I felt like you could visibly see 
<laughs> the the souls of the player leaving and and flying out of the stadium. It was just so it was just crazy. I was like I was watching I'm like another run, another run, yeah, another run. Was- you know, it felt like DJ Khaled, you know, like uh, another one. Another one. Yeah. No, it it was yeah, they just took their soul, like you said, man. And, I mean, they ran it down their throat. And even for the rest of the game, like pretty much the whole second half, it was just zone right, zone left, inside zone. Like, I mean, it wasn't anything special at all. They were even doing some just power gap gap stuff. Like, they I were, don't even know if they – did they even, like, continue to, like, do motions? Like, I don't even remember them doing motions. Yeah, yeah. Like, at some point, just, they're like, we don't even need it. Yeah, it was just run down their throat, run down their throat, run down their throat. And I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> like, this is right. ugly. It was, man. And, and every time, like, there were so many plays where you thought the, the running back might get two yards and gets four. You know, and if you can get four yards of carry and all you're going to do is run the ball, you're going to get a first down every three plays. So you just keep going. And that's pretty much exactly what they did. They averaged, you know, like I said, it was five yards of carry and they just ran it in. And it, that, like I said, at that point, no, and in no games, even after that score, it's 24 to 10. You if you knew nothing about the game and you just saw that score, you're like, okay, it's a two score game, whatever. It's not out of hand. But if you would have seen that drive, you'd know it was just like, man, this, this thing's over. And that's the crazy thing about it. It wasn't like, as far as the score goes, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, it's a two score game, but I think just the way the game went, you knew like (laughs) this game is over (laughs) and the Vikings have no chance. You know, I was watching, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure you watch, you know, the earlier games as well. I mean, the, um, you know, the oh, other yeah, games like the Chiefs and, and the Ravens and I mean not Chiefs and the Ravens, the the Chiefs and, and uh Houston. And Houston was up twenty four zero. And even then I was like, I don't think this game is over, you know? But it's like the 49ers were barely up right. two scores and I was like, This game is long over. Like it's done. And there was nothing that the Vikings could do. And I think part of it uh was how the Vikings did get their earlier scores. You know, you had a penalty to keep a drive going, and then you got Witherspoon where he just stumbled over his own feet, um, you know, and gave up the touchdown. And and then you had the Jimmy Grappler interception and they got only a field goal out of it. And that was it. That was all that was all that the Vikings had, like, for the entire game. So I think, yeah, just the way the game was going and the way the 49ers defensive line was coming and Nick Bosa coming back from the dead, like, you know, it was just like <laughs> this game was over, It was man. just a weird atmosphere, the, man. Did you see the video? Did you see the video where somebody uh, added the, uh, like, the Undertaker bell? I, I didn't like, see it, but it, yeah, I know. And then he just pops up so and he cool. just gets up. Like, it was like, I was like, man, this is this is cool. Yeah, it was it was just nuts. And it, and it was a very good game for the 49ers, you know, some teams. Real, real quick, how do you think that is for, like, for his brother to see that? For his brother to be there and, like, it's like, you know, here, here Joey Bosa is and he plays in his little ass – soccer stadium in in LA and nobody even wants the Chargers there and every home game for the Chargers is really like an away game because there's more fans from the other team and it's like you're really good and it's just like okay and then you go to a 49ers home game with Levi Stadium is rocking your brother lays down they start chanting his name he pops up from the dead. I mean, everybody's having fun. Everybody loves each other on the team. It's just like super <laughs> kumbaya. It's like, right. like I, I wonder how Joey feels just watching that whole thing, like just watching his brother and just watching the 49ers. I, 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 you know, I saw the reports of that he would, you know, love to play for the 49ers. I'm like, right, of course he would. Yeah, that, that would, that is, would. That's never going to happen. But you know. I could see how someone could kind of experience that and walk away from it like, this is where I want to play. You know, it's like probably like college, right? You know, and it's like, you know, go to University of Arkansas, Monticello, right? Division two school. That's where I went. And, um, you know, you can see 5,000 people in the stands. And then you go to LSU game and it's like rocking. And, you know, it's like right. they're chanting and they're doing all this crazy stuff. And Joe, Joe, thousand yards is like, they all go to LSU, man. Forget UAM, <laughs> you know? Right. It was, yeah. It, it, I mean, obviously, that's that. I mean, that report just seemed kind of silly. Like, if, like, sure, Joey Bosa wants to come play for the 49ers. That, that's that's just so silly. Yeah, well, like, well, first of everybody all, everybody in the league would want to come play for the 49ers right now. There's not a single person that wouldn't yeah. want to, you know. And, but at the same, yeah. The, the, first of all, there's a salary cap. Second of all, the Chargers aren't just letting this dude walk. 
He's a free agent in what 2021, I think I saw. They're gonna franchise tag him. Like they're like, you know, it he's not getting away. And they need some star power moving into this new stadium. No way would another guy right, like yeah. that get away. Yeah, no, it's it, it was never something I even remotely even after I saw it, I was like, Yeah, sure, okay. Like it's never something that I remotely considered. It's just not even worth worth mentioning. It's it, it's just it was silly. So you know, obviously the four and the 49ers are still riding some advantages going forward. It's you know they got plenty of rest. They got that bye week, and even the amount of snaps that the 49ers played against the Vikings was not significant. Just the way that game played out, you know, the defense wasn't on the field that much. The Vikings just kept going three and out. I think the majority of your 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 starters played like 30 something snaps. So there's so many guys that are coming off this this win still feeling very healthy and still feeling like they could have gone another round type of deal. And, you know, it, it's just this, this huge wave of momentum for the 49ers because they come off a of bye week. They go through a game that couldn't have gone any better. They really didn't have any injuries. Raheem Mostert kind of have like a calf strain, but it, apparently it's like a non-factor, Shanahan said. Um, you had three starters come back. You get a guy like Quan Alexander back, Jaquiski Tart. You get D Ford. All three of them, like, were immediately able to show the kind of impact they have. It was not a coincidence that those three guys come back and the defense just goes off. Not at all. That's just the way the defense was formed. They're the guys that are meant to be in those spots. You know, and speaking of of defense and and getting after it, all five of the 49ers' former first-round picks on that defensive front, you have Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, D. Ford, and Nick Bosa. All five of them sacked Kirk Cousins. Like, if that isn't, like, a manifestation of – what John Lynch was trying to build, then you, you there it is. You, there, you won't find yeah. one. Like that is just that is like like if you could take a game and put it in your hand and hand it to somebody and say, "Man, why'd you draft all these players? And why'd you why'd you spend all this money?" And you just hand them that game. Here you go. This is why. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, they like, they completely dominated. And even I mean, it was really good to see Solomon Thomas get a, to get a sack. I know people have a hard a time, game and I, I want him to be good. It's like, dude, how are you not? dominating more you know when d4 went out like dude this is your chance this is your chance to step up and like make plays and he still didn't but it was really cool to see him get that sack and him and zettel um yeah yeah yeah. i I know they they signed him like week 17 but um it, it was really cool to see him get a sack man and solomon thomas you know he's gone through a lot and you know losing you know his sister uh to suicide you know we addressed that uh not his situation, but just suicide in general on the last pod. But um, it was really cool to, you know, see him have a little success and, you know, have fun out there, man. Like It looked like everybody was having fun. Yeah, it, it was just – it was dominance. And what's cool is is the 49ers got, got six sacks because Bosa had two, and they still just demolished in the run game. Usually you're, you're looking at like a give and take. Like the Chiefs – Last year, their pass rush was among the best in the NFL. I think they had 50-plus sacks as, as a pass rush unit. They were the best in the NFL. But the, the defense was horrible against the run, and they still got passed all over. So it, it was it's just this, this, like, a 49ers defense is just among the elite in the NFL. And I would, I would venture to say they're the only elite defense remaining in the playoffs. The, uh, the, the Titans have been playing pretty good defensive ball. Obviously, we saw them uh, completely bottle up Lamar Jackson. That was a crazy game. Um, so, obviously, they're playing good defensive football. But the 49ers defense is far and away the league's best defense still in the play. They're a top three defense, and they're still in the playoffs. And that, you know, if, if there's ever a time where the 49ers are going to get to prove that defense wins championships, it's now. And, and I don't, I, I say prove, but I really don't think they have, they have anything to prove given that they're in the NFC championship game. So, you know, but before we, we, we still have more to talk about, but before we, uh, we go any further, we got to get a quick word in for our sponsors, untuck it, who are out there, paving the way for shirts that are meant to be worn untucked because I'm sure all of you out there have seen somebody wearing a shirt that it's like an untucked button down and they usually look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully there's untuck it. The original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or your shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. I know that I've tried to wear untucked button downs in the past and they always just look like 
you know, like I'm a little kid wearing my dad's shirt or I'm like a, you know, one of those, those girls that wear like a boy's shirt to bed and it's all huge. That's kind of just how it ends up coming out because the shirts aren't designed to be worn that way. Well, these are, these are meant to do that. They look good. They're meant to be worn that way. And that's why I like them. I've got a couple and they fit great. And and that's, you know, it's, it's all you need to know. It's, you look classy, but you look a little chill too as well. So they have all kinds of styles. There's wrinkle-free buttons down, soft flannels, outerwear. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website's easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for a perfect gift or just trying to craft a small, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use BLUE, use the code BLUE for 20% off. Pretty big discount um, at checkout. So that's untuckit.com, U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com. And promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, for 20% off. Okay, so back to our you, Niners. You talked about one, I mean, yeah, says something. Dang, what'd you say before you stopped? But it's so weird, man. You know, I was really excited to, like, okay, my 49ers, they just dominated the Vikings. And, yeah, I can't. Can't wait to watch some TV and see what these TV talk show people are talking about because a lot of them were saying the 49ers would lose and blah, blah. And I think I first was talking I about it. a generational, like, defense, not generational, but an elite defense, the only team with an elite defense in the playoffs. And then I talked about bottling them up, Lamar Jackson. I don't know. I'm just trying to jog a memory. Yeah. Well, they didn't talk about the Niners. <laughs> and it was like, dang, like, nobody's going to talk about the Niners. I watched, like, well, I think I just watched, like, Undisputed. And it was like, now, only thing they said about the 49ers was, and this is an entire, like, two-hour show. They said, oh, I think because, I think before we uh, broke in, you did the, the uh, you know, you read the script. Um, it was, what'd you say? You were talking about, like, disrespect or respect or whatever. Well, anyways, yeah, they didn't, they didn't talk about the Niners. Only thing they said was they were talking about the Packers and the Seahawks. And then they just talked about how much better the 49ers are than the Packers. And that's it. But, like, they talked about the Niners while they were talking about the Packers. Like, it wasn't like the 49ers had their own segment. So, it was kind of weird. I think it probably has to do with the fact that the 49ers – and they, they dealt with this earlier in the year. The 49ers made the Vikings look pedestrian. Like, they made it look like the Vikings weren't even supposed to be in that game. Even though the, the Vikings had just gone into the Superdome and beaten the Saints – one of the best teams in the NFL, one of the teams that I had, you know, pegged as like a deep, deep playoff run, like NFC Championship, possible Super Bowl, Saints. Vikings went in there and beat them, and the 49ers completely shut them down. And I, I just feel like maybe people saw that and they're like, this is more of the Vikings playing bad than it is the 49ers playing great. And that goes back to what you and I have talked about when we were at training camp. I was always laughing because the fans would be there, and then a DB would make a great play on the ball. And the fans wouldn't cheer. They would just be upset that the pass wasn't completed or the guy didn't catch it. And I'm like, dude, why does nobody ever give credit to defensive players? Like, like you can cheer when a DB breaks up a pass, you know, like, because that dude just made a play. And I feel like it's the same thing. Like, nobody's giving the 49ers any praise for the fact that the defense balled out and dominated. It's just they're just acting like, oh, the Vikings were just bad. They're the number six seed. What do you Which expect? is crazy you know, because just, the narrative before the game was about how good the Vikings were and they, they have Devin Cook back and he's no longer hurt. And Kirk Cousins is, you know, he can make all these throws. And would you rather have Jimmy G or Kirk Cousins? I saw all those kind of comparisons. And, and like, it was like, oh, the 49ers are in trouble. And I mean, we saw a whole cast of, a whole panel of ESPN people pick. Like, all three guys picked the Vikings, like, straight up. Like, not even against the spread. Just straight up, we're all – all three of us are picking – I think it was, like, Dan Orlaski or Velasky or however you say his name. Um, I can't think of the other two guys' names, but it was like, no, just straight up, they're picking the Vikings to beat the 49ers. And I just thought that was really, like, wow. Well, what's crazy, too, is you have the 49ers earn the number one seed by going into Seattle and beating Seattle. Then they are hosting the number six seed. They've had a bye week. And the number six seed Vikings are coming off a short week, traveling across the country. And, and, and they still thought the Vikings were going to win. Like it's, So you're just basically saying that the 49ers are a less than number six seed caliber team. If you think that 
all of those factors combined and the number six seed is still going to beat the 49ers. It's just, it, it was a little crazy to me. I, I always thought, I thought the game was going to be close. And then kind of as time went on, I started considering the idea that the 49ers might really beat down the Vikings. And I don't know why I was equating them to the Packers. You know, I, I don't, I don't know what, I just felt like it was the same type of game plan. And even the 49ers said after the Packers game, our game plan was to stop the run game and allow Aaron Rodgers to do his thing through the air. And that's how they felt they were going to be him. And I felt like the game plan for the Vikings was the same. Stop Dalvin Cook and allow Kirk Cousins to try to do his thing. And the 49ers have a sec- the secondary and the pass rush to handle that. And that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what they did to the Packers. So it wasn't a huge surprise when they did it to the Vikings. It's just been crazy how little, you know, people just act like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I try not to get too spun up over the opinions of else, uh, others out there, especially if you're a 49ers fan. You watch the game. You've watched them all season. You know what they're capable of. You know, they've, they've really only had one bad game all year, and that was against the Falcons. Every other game, you could, you could also include the Steelers. They probably should have beaten the Steelers a little handedly, but they turned the ball over five times and, you know, stuff like that. But so just to, you know, just to keep rolling with what we saw. Um, Trying to see, look in my notes here because I don't want to get too into everything. I think that that something that you know I've no I've got him as one of my winners because we're towards the end of the segment, maybe pretty soon because I feel like we've talked quite a bit about stuff. We're going to go over some winners and losers, and now obviously it's nitpicky that we have to pick losers out of a game where the 49ers dominated, and we don't mean losers in like these guys suck; they don't deserve to be starting. We just mean guys that struggle. Okay, so we don't want, you know, losers can be a little bit of a harsh term. But now that I look over my notes, I think we pretty much touched on everything that we wanted to. And everything that we haven't touched on, we're going to touch on with our winners and losers. So is there anything you want to you want to hit up before we start no, on I that? Think, I think that's a good good place to start. Losers. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to go first. And then we'll just, we'll, we'll, we're each going to pick two winners. And then we're going to do one loser. And we'll go back and forth. And you're... Biggest winner is probably the most obvious one. Best player on the field. Go for it. Nick Bosa. Right. Is, is he the best player on the 49ers? I, I don't want to get like be a prisoner of the moment. And no, he can't. I mean, not George Kittle. But man, Nick Bosa, man, he's so good. He's so good. No, no, no. I don't, I don't, dude, I don't think it's if I mean you're I don't know, dude. I, I think that he's, as far as the caliber of player he is and the impact he can create, I don't think he's he's outside of the realm of being uh, involved in the conversation with George Kittle. Right. You know, and, and, you know what I mean? So think about what the defense would be if they lost Nick Bosa. Yeah. It, it's so crazy because, I, I mean, I was a guy that is like, okay, Quentin Williams, he, he can make a huge – and maybe he could. Maybe if he was with the defense and D4, Quentin Williams would be really good. But I, I was on board with taking – Quentin Williams at number two over Nick Bosa. Now, I will say I had no issues drafting Nick Bosa. I like them both a lot. I'm really I don't surprised by just the 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 impact that Bosa has had. I knew he would be good. I knew he would be good. I, I, I didn't have any issues about that. But how good and how dominant. And especially when he gets in situations where somebody has to try to block him one-on-one. I mean, how he is against the run. Like, you can't have a tight end. You can't leave a tight end to block him. He just throws a tight end off. Like, you know, he's so good against the run. He, he's everything I thought he would be, but, like, even better. I knew he would be a sound player. And just to see that, you know, that type of performance where, you know, the two sacks, the 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 pass breakup in coverage on the running back where, I mean, it, like, <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Like, come on, really? I saw that. I said, really? You know, it was just – He's that good, man. And um, in the world of football, a running back being matched up with a defensive lineman is considered an obscene mismatch. And he played it perfect. Like it's like okay, Bosa. Like maybe you should teach our defensive backs how to break uh, up a pass <laughs> without making contact. Man, that was really good. I know, dude. He yeah. like basically put his hand on his hip and just kind of followed him right over and bink. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was perfect. You know, and yeah, dude, dude's awesome. Uh, yeah, really good. So yeah, that that's my that's my first winner. Right, and that, and that should be the first winner out the gate. He was by far, at least in this game, the best player on the field. So I I tweeted a couple days ago um, from Pro Football Focus. I just like to quote their numbers because they do a good job kind of breaking it up. Um, 
they're no by no means the Bible of statistics. I, I'm I'm not saying that everything that they grade or say should be taken as fact. But so their their breakdown of Nick Bosa's stats against the Vikings were as follows: He had seven pressures, which led the defense. And a pressure is the following three stats combined. So he had two sacks, which also led the defense. He had four quarterback hurries, which also led the defense, along with DeForest Buckner. He had one quarterback hit, which means you're hitting them as they're kind of throwing it, not quite a sack. That also led the defense with D. Ford and Eric Armstead. He had four tackles, which was one tackle shy of leading the defense. And then he had five stops, which a stop at per pro football focus is constitutes a negative play for the offense. So tackle for loss because they don't track tackles for loss um you know i'm assuming that's kind of their way of of tracking a tackle for loss but he had five stops which led the defense along with fred warner um he had one pass breakup which we just talked about and then he had a 91.6 grade which is considered elite by their metrics and it was the highest graded player on the defense so even his one pass broke pass breakup led the defense because no one else got one. So it was just nuts. I mean, the guy is just, who would have thought that, a? I mean, Bosa was hailed for being so technically refined um, and pro ready out of the draft. Um, But who would have thought that he'd come to a defensive line with Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, D Ford, Solomon Thomas, and be the best, most impactful player right out the gate. And I'm not trying to take any way for anything from a guy like DeForest Buckner, who's who's just tremendous, you know, an, an, an all-pro type talent. But he's just been yeah, and, and so he's, good. And he's so. been good even when he's not getting sex. And I think that's the important thing where, you know, he's still disrupting plays. I remember in the in the uh, Rams game, it seemed like, like there was a moment in like the third quarter where he just kind of like took over and forced like three straight throwaways by Jared Goff. You know, Goff had through like three, uh, eight straight incompletions, and Nick Bosa was a big part of that, man. I mean, even when he's not getting sacks, he, I don't think he got a sack against uh, the Saints, but several plays just, you know, chasing Drew Brees. He he had a nice pass breakup uh, on a screen play that, that game, and, and then the Seahawks game where he got triple teamed and spun out of the triple team and, you know, chased down – Russell Wilson, I mean, just plays like where I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people talk about uh, Max Crosby of the Raiders and, you know, oh, look at his stats, look at this, look at that. But I think even with Nick Bosa, it's not just stats that make him so good, man. It's like, look, just look at the impact on every single play. He has to be accounted for. And if he's not, he's going to make you play, pay. He's going to make you play, man. And um, yep. Really good, and you 100%. know, and speaking of speaking of him, uh, you put out a nice tweet today talking about Nick Bosa and his accomplishments this season. Would you like to share those with the people if they don't already know? Uh, yeah, Nick Bosa was named to the Pro Football Writers of America. Uh, it's kind of like their their all pro team, or their oh, excuse me, their all rookie team. It's kind of like their 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 all pro roster for rookies, and Nick Bosa just dominated that that thing he was he was awarded the 2019 rookie of the year he was awarded the 2019 defensive rookie of the year and so he's he's they considered him the all-around best rookie and obviously that makes him the best defensive rookie and he also made first team all rookie along with uh linebacker dre greenlaw who so he just and i and i'm assuming that Nick Bosa has probably inserted himself. Does the NFL do a rookie of the year or do they just do an offensive and defensive? I, I want to say they just do offense and defensive. Okay. Cause if they do rookie of the year, I think that Nick Bosa would probably get that too. But I think Nick Bosa's the odds, the easy landslide favorite for, for the NFL's rookie uh, defensive rookie of the year. That'll, I don't know when they announce that, but that'll be coming shortly. Especially like the dude is, is dominating in the playoffs. Like when you're a rookie dominating in the playoffs, you have arrived. Doesn't matter that you're a rookie. So, you know, I didn't know if there's anything else you wanted to say about that. Nah, that's it. Do you want me to do my? Do you want me to do my winner? Yeah, ahead, Appreciate you, you, you steering me towards <laughs> that. But my first winner is is George Kittle, and that if you if you didn't see the game but you knew everything about George Kittle, you'd be like, yeah, of course, George Kittle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's the best tight end in the game. But he didn't shine in the way he normally shines. I mean, yes, he did, but, and and no, he didn't. Cause he only had three catches for 16 yards. 
Didn't have a touchdown, but in this game, he was all over the field making plays in the run game. The four, like I said, the 49ers ran the ball 47 times, and they averaged four yards a carry on the game. Tevin Coleman, who was the 49ers' lead running back, and Raheem Mostert, who was second behind him. Tevin Coleman had 22 carries. Raheem Mostert had 12. Both of them averaged 4.8 yards per carry, and Kittle had a large impact in that. There's been so many highlights and clips of, of talking about George Kittle's blocking. You know, you have Daniil Hunt and Everson Griffin, the Vikings stud defensive ends um, that are that are great all-around players. And George Kittle, a tight end, was handling these guys like an offensive lineman. And I'm sure there's plenty out there where he, maybe he would have gotten beat or, you know, some, I, of course. But there's just so many clips of him blocking these guys and showing technique that you don't even see from starting offensive linemen in the league. The guy is just a – Well, I just talked about how Nick Bosa doesn't allow – tight ends to block him. And here we have, you know, uh, uh, George Kittle, like manhandling star-studded defensive ends, like defensive ends that wrecked the game. And George Kittle's manhandling them, like just solo, like get out the way. I'm like pushing. I mean, he damn near drove him out of bounds to open up a hole for the running back. Right. So he, he just had his hands all over so many successful plays on the ground. And the dude, when you watch his mic'd up, the 49ers released a mic'd up where it's him and Defoe. And he's just, he has so much energy. And what's awesome is you have a guy that holds the record for single season receiving yards just for a tight end. He is the current record holder. But he just wants the 49ers to run the ball. He wants to block somebody. He wants to take somebody out. It's just, he's a very, very rare player. And, and as time goes on, I realize he's even more rare and more valuable than I'd even thought. And I have a super high opinion of him. So he is just – he gets my my main winner vote just because he, he was just an absolute road grader in the run game. And it's just, it's just impressive. You watch a guy like that and you watch his clips. You watch all the things he says and he does and the amount he involves the fans and, and does his thing. Like you just – you're looking at a guy that the 49ers may never let leave the building. He may, he may never play for another team because he's just that good in, in every way and on and off the field. So, you know, that's that's it's just awesome that the 49ers found somebody like that in the fifth round of the NFL draft. So, okay, so what do you think? What do you think? Should we do our second winner or should we do our loser and then go back to our second winner? Now let's do second winner. Okay, go your second winner, Croc. What do you got? Tevin Coleman. Boom. Why? Uh, well, one, you know, he ran for over 100 yards. Awesome um, playoff game. But, you know, he's been catching a lot of flack, right? A lot of people are like, why does he still get carries? Why isn't Mostert just getting the ball? And, and, and rightfully so, right? Coleman hasn't had a lot of the su- success. Uh, especially, you know, when you look at yards per carry, he's the worst of the three. But this game, man, and I don't know if it was by design or what, but, I mean, just – Every carry, it seemed like he was getting at least four yards. And it was just four yards, four yards, four yards, four yards, three yards, four yards. And it was just – They were, were hard-earned yards too. Yeah. A lot of them after contact. Yeah. I, I mean, it was just hard-earned yards um, and just constantly putting the 49ers in great situations to continue to keep the, the sticks moving. Um, short yardage situations. I mean, over and over, it seemed like he just made the right read, right cut, and constantly was picking up three, four yards every single carry. Like, it, I, like I don't think it seems like he didn't have any carries where he got tackled at the, at the line scrimmage. Uh, no, he was he was awesome. Yeah, he, he was really really good. So yeah, I, I just and maybe I, maybe he was one of the players that maybe he was one of the, one of the players that benefited a lot from the bye right. week. You know what I mean? He just seems so much fresher and and so much, you know, more spry than he has in weeks past. And he was, he was, you know, I mean, him and Raheem Mostert were were the 49ers run game. You know, and Breedy got a few carries and, and and did his thing, but it, him and Mostert were the were the were the run game, and uh, Seven Coleman was the majority of it. So I think that's a great pick. He was the 49ers needed to run the ball, and and he like like we said, he averaged almost five yards a carry. You will, no one will ever have a problem right. with that ever. And and he got in the end zone twice. twice, right? And I know a lot of people they want you know they wanted to see Jeff Wilson especially early on, and they talked about how well you know George Will- Jeff Wilson ran on the goal line, and it was good to see another back kind of you know get some touches down there and be successful. We've seen most of be successful down there too. So 
But, um, yeah, I really appreciate the way Coleman ran and ran hard, ran hard and, yeah, picked up consistent yardage. I, I don't, I can't remember a time where it was just like, hey, he got stuffed at the line of scrimmage. And now it's a second and long situation. It always seemed like it was like second and six, second and seven, second and five, you know? Right. So, yeah, that's my, that's my second winner. Okay. And my second winner uh, is D Ford, uh, defensive lineman. Now, he didn't have, a, a huge game. I mean, obviously, if you're trying to compare it to, to Bosa, it's, it's not going to go. He had three pressures. He had a sack, a hit, and a hurry. Um, he only, and he also had one stop, which which might be that sack in and of itself. Um, I'm not uh, – he, he had 17 pass rush snaps. He played a total of 22, which is right around where his, his number that he played throughout the season. He was usually in the 20s. He really only had one game. The very first game of the season against Tampa Bay, he had 40. Um, and that was far and away his most of the season. So he played, he came back from his, his leg injury and played right around the same snaps uh, as he has all season. And he came out and it was just, if you're not going to give him credit from a statistical standpoint, you should give him a lot of credit from an impact standpoint. Because over the last five games of the season, a huge reason why they were so close was because the 49ers, they only, over a five game span, they only managed five sacks. Um, and I think one of them, one of them had two and one of them had zero. So, and, and this was coming off towards the beginning of the season, the 49ers were averaging like four or five sacks a game. So when D Ford comes out, he's just that ingredient. I'm not going to say he's the, he's not, I, I wouldn't say he's the best pass rusher of the group, but he, the, he, this, the element of the element of speed that he adds to the 49ers defensive lineman and the fact that he can run the arc um, and get behind a quarterback and force him up into DeForest Buckner, into Nick Bosa, into Eric Armstead. It's just another guy that the offensive line has to account for. You know, when, when a backup is in for D Ford, the offensive line can say, okay, let's handle these three guys and we can leave the backup one-on-one because they don't expect him to win. And now you have basically a four-on-three matchup with the other offensive lineman handling the backup. Well, when four goes in there, they can't do that. And it becomes uh, truly five offensive linemen on four guys. And it just enables them and spaces them out and enables the defensive line to do what they're meant to do. And that's why the def- part of why the defensive line just blew up was because, you know, they have that that extra ingredient, that one thing. I'm sure all of you guys have a sandwich, a hamburger, you know, something with there's one ingredient in there that makes that over the top. You know, with like In-N-Out burgers, you got like the special sauce, the In-N-Out sauce, or, you know, if that's what you like most, most about them. D Ford is the special sauce of the 49ers defensive line. And having him back there just unlocks him, and he seemed healthy. He seemed quick. He seemed ready. Um, like I said, he played 22 snaps. If that leg was still bugging him, he wouldn't have played that much. And it was just – it was impressive to see how much of an impact adding him to that defensive line had because I don't think it's a coincidence that the whole unit goes off right when D Ford comes back against a respectable Vikings offensive line. So – that was my that was my second winner. So we're coming we're coming down to the end here. But before we close out, we gotta we gotta highlight somebody who who may have struggled a bit. So Crocker, what's who is your first quote unquote loser um, for uh, the minutes for, against the Vikings? Yeah, uh, Akella Witherspoon. Um, this was somebody you know. Obviously, I've I've defended because I feel like you know, hey man, you know he he has good coverage. He he just has to make the play, and he didn't and. I, you know, even even the the touchdown that he gave up, you know, I was looking at it, I was like, oh, yeah, it's perfect coverage. And then it's like, oh, you stumble over your own feet. And it's like, well, why did he stumble? And I looked at the replay, and I'm like, oh, well, the ball was underthrown, and the receiver adjusted to it. Um, it was kind of harder for him to adjust. But, uh, again, the, the at some point you have to make a play, and, and that was my thing. And he's had too many – Extremely bad luck. He's had extremely bad luck. But plays are just being made on you, and you're not making any plays. And I thought they were right to pull Mosley. I thought Mosley would start the game. Um, but once I saw uh, Witherspoon was starting, I knew he'd be on the short leash. And as soon as that happened, I looked at my buddy. I said, oh, yeah, he won't be in there anymore. And sure enough, Mosley came in. And um, I-, I think he's a – loser in this situation for more than one reason, not just for being pulled or playing poorly, but 
you don't have – he won't have another chance to even earn a starting spot <clears throat> until next training camp. And even when that time comes, it's like, dude, this is your contract year. So even more so than having, you know, a few bad games down the stretch, you know, how is this going to play out for him, you know, just moving forward? And, you know, obviously, you know, me, I've always believed in the killer with this one. I think he has a ton of talent, but the consistency just has not been there. Uh, he didn't make the plays, and then you let Mosley come in, and Mosley does. Now, I will salute Witherspoon on being an extremely gracious, great teammate uh, and going up to the coach and saying, hey, give me Mosley's reps on special teams. I want him to stay fresh. Um, I saw a lot of people complimenting him on that and saying, hey, you know, this is why this team is special and why they're going to win. And, and I agree. That, that, was a de- that was definitely – a selfless uh, act. And I think he's that type of kid. Um, and I speak with his father sometimes. Um, I know a lot of people that coached him, or I know a few guys that coached him uh, in junior college over here in at Sac City. Uh, great kid, man, but you just got to make plays. And he didn't. And that touchdown, that touchdown won't just affect him for the rest of that game, but really moving forward and his situation with the 49ers, you know, going into a contract year. So, that's my that's my uh, first loser. Yeah, I think all that all that's fair. You know, it was just it came down to, like I said earlier, that whole drive was was on Witherspoon. It was I think it was third and four at, at one point, and the Vikings. I thought the pass interference is bullshit, though. Yeah, I, didn't, I did. Yeah, think the ball was uncatchable. I'm, I wasn't. I wasn't. Gonna... Well, not just that. I mean, there's a you push, I pull, and it's like okay, you're going up. I'm here. You stop. Like we stop. Like yeah, we're touching. Okay, like. And, and then they threw a flag, and I was like, "Ah, it's got BS." But what can you do? Right. So he had he had that pass interference. He gave up a catch to Adam Thielen on a first down. Then he gave up the pass interference, I believe, or, or it could have been the other way. I think it was pass interference. Then catch to Thielen. It was and pass then, interference on third down, and then the next third down they threw a slant at him and completed. Right. And then the next third down, that was when they got the touchdown. <laughs> right. So every single one of his missteps was on third down, and and what was horrible about the the touchdown to Stephon Diggs is is Wishman was in perfect position. He was kind of in phase, not quite in phase, but he was, he was running alongside Stefan Diggs. The ball was underthrown, and he could, he just couldn't adjust his body to it. Right when I saw the pass thrown and the camera kind of panned to where you could see Witherspoon, I was like, Oh man, this is picked or at the very least batted down. And then he just falls over and, <laughs> and, 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 and Stefan Diggs caught the ball where Witherspoon would have been if he hadn't have fallen over. So it was just a really awkward play. I felt bad for the guy. You know, I, I wanted to see him succeed. He started off the year so well, but I, like you said, I knew he was on a short leash. And after, you know, that happened, Mosley came in and the 49ers defense scored, or excuse me, the Vikings offense scored three points the rest of the game. So, and, and Emmanuel Mosley was really good against the run too. I know he had more than a few stops of uh, on little screen passes, whether they were Dalvin cook or receiver. Um, he just played really good and he looked really scrappy. So, um, but anyways, my loser, um, I put Jimmy Garoppolo. And like I said earlier, this isn't like a, this person's a loser. They suck. They shouldn't be on the team. That's it's just, it's just good and bad. Okay. So, you know, I don't want anybody thinking, well, you called Jimmy Garoppolo. Loser. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's not what I'm doing. He, he had a rough game. He, he had a great first drive, but even that great first drive, you go back and watch that, and he had two passes, I think both were to Debo Samuel, both one of them might have been to Kendrick Bourne, where they were both behind him on like quick slants. Well, and one just I think was supposed to be because um, the one linebacker cleared out the area, like cleared out on like a little flat route, but there was somebody else coming from the other side, and Jimmy had to throw it to Debo, but if he leads him – one or two things could possibly happen. One, it could possibly be tipped by the linebacker coming from the other side, or he can throw. He would. He can um, if he threw it like and led Debo. It could have been a huge collision. So I think when he threw that behind him, where I was like, "Dang, that was behind him." But I, I the more I see, right. it, I think and, it was by and design. NFL, NFL quarterbacks are right, especially like Jimmy G. They're, they're capable of looking at a receiver and determining where they're going to throw the ball at that receiver. Now, they're not always that accurate. They'll miss throws, but but a lot of times they can do that. They can say, okay, can I lead this guy and keep him running? Can I put him right on it to where he catches it and kind of slows his momentum a little bit? Or should I put it behind him where he basically has to stop? You know, so and, and they can do that. And it's really, really impressive. If you just go out and throw a football to a running target, you'll know how impressive that is. But um, 
So he had, he had a couple throws that were behind. He just looked off for a, a lot of or for a good portion. He did have some good throws, but he just looked a little off. He had a couple of those oh no Jimmy throws, where you know he, he there was one where he threw it over Eric Kendricks, and, and I think he might have dropped it where it should have been a pick, and I, and then he did it again where he made the throw and it just went right over him. And I was at that point, I was like, okay, he's. This is this is kind of getting close, and then of course he tries it one more time to Debo Samuel, and, and, and Kendrick's never been on the on any sort of a play fake, and he just came under and picked off the pass, and that was of course the other three points that the Vikings got was off that interception. He had I think it was two more passes that should have been picked. It might have been just one. One of them, George Kittle played defensive back perfectly because the defender was in perfect position. Jimmy Garoppolo tried to kind of put it up high, and the defender was there, and George Kittle was able to kind of come over it and break it up. And he just he, he was just a little off, but he also threw a touchdown. That was a great placement. He also led the team on that first drive to immediately come out and, and score a touchdown. So it, it was, you know, it, it wasn't like I'm saying Jimmy Garoppolo had a horrible game. He was just okay. You know, it, it almost looked like his, his, what I like to say, like his clock is sped up. Like he felt like he didn't have as much time as he actually had, and he kind of rushed a little bit. Yeah, he was yeah. probably he probably knew coming in what that Vikings defense. Well, what they just did to Drew Brees, you know, right. like what they just did to Drew Brees. I mean, I think the Saints, and maybe that's what it is too. Maybe hey, maybe the Vikings just have a really good defense, right? Um, I think that the the Saints had like a hundred yards going into the fourth quarter. Like it was like something crazy like that. So they, they do have the ability to kind of smother a guy and make a quarterback look a little look bad. And I think, you know, obviously we'll, you know, we'd be the first to tell you, yeah, Jimmy didn't play well. Like you said, that was your first loser and he, he didn't play as well as he what we've seen especially like the last few weeks. Cause he was I mean he was money against uh the Seahawks where he was eighteen for twenty two and everything was like on the money. Well yeah, the dude's been like like high sixties, mid seventies, a couple games where he touched the eighties completion percentage throughout the season and he only completed 57 percent of his passes 11 of 19 against the vikings so he was just a little off and 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 you know it was just it was just a weird game for him and i feel like it's it's nothing worth overreacting to whatsoever but he will need to be better uh, against the packers and i feel like he would be the packers defense is is not as good as the vikings defense and the 49ers already know how to exploit that they've already done it i don't think the the green bay packers are going to be you know you can make adjustments. And you can come up with different game plans. No, 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 no. Don't talk about it yet. We got, we got the pod coming Thursday. Right, right. And that's a good segue because I'm done talking about my loser. And 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 I'm I'm pleased to – I mean, it's not an announcement. We're not that special. But we, me and Crocker are going to hit two podcasts this week. So we've got the podcast, obviously, right now that you're listening to. Thank you for being here. Uh, but we're going to come again, um, and we are going to record on Thursday night, and you will be listening to it Friday morning, and we are going to preview the Packers game because I'm sure at this point a lot of you guys were listening to this podcast, and uh, 56 minutes has gone by, and we haven't said anything about the Packers. Maybe a few comments here and there, and, and thanks for Croc for stopping me there. But we are going to wrap this up with our Vikings preview. And I feel like we've done that pretty well, kind of touched on all the bases. And then in a couple days, you'll be listening to it on Friday. We're going to preview the NFC championship game against the Packers. We'll talk about the last time they faced, what we expect to see different, you know, all kinds of stuff. So before I close this out, Croc, you got any, any anything else you want? Did, did we, did we hit everything? Yeah, nah, I think, I think that's good. I think that's okay. Good. All right. And, and uh, like I said, you will hear from us again before the NFC Championship game. Uh, we'll break down the Packers. Um, maybe we'll throw something else out there. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, we'll see you again this week. So that's exciting for us. I'm, I'm excited to do that. I always feel like there's, there's stuff we don't get to talk about because we already go long as it is. So, But with that being said, that's it for us for tonight. Um, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Uh, if you're tuning in now, make sure you guys tune in again. Uh, check in again Friday morning. Um, if you don't follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Rob underscore louder and you can follow uh, Crocker at Eric underscore Crocker. Um, hit us up, say what's up. Tell us you're listening to the pod, all that good stuff. Um, but I think that's it for us. And we will see you a couple days before the NFC championship game. And this is striking gold signing out.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.